Ensemble number 32, entitled Omar Sharif, and modeled by Chief's Defense Man, Billy Charles Boy, who hails from, if I can read the card here, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. This isn't a powder puff convention. Keep in mind that Ladies. the perfect accessory for the man in your life Excuse me, is... Game Misconduct with Dory and CT on Lightning Power Play. Welcome to a new edition of Game Misconduct. I'm CT here with Dory. Hello. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and it's, uh, Facebook at Game Miz with a Z Conduct. And we're going to be joined in a little bit by our guest, the VP of Game Presentation for the Tampa Bay Lightning, John Franzone, who I've had the pleasure of working with a little bit um, before. And he's a fantastic person. I love him. He's very, very nice. Um, and so we're kind of, you know, seeing more of the ins and outs of what happens at games. Because you just walk in the arena and you're like, oh, yeah, this is fun. This is cool. But there's a lot of work that goes into it. So we've got some question for him to kind of see the behind the scenes. But before we get into that, let's talk about the L.A. Kings game, mm-hmm. the last home game of January, believe it or not. Isn't that wild? It's crazy. Like, I don't have another home game on my, like, tickets until February 4th, I think Holy it is. Holy heck. So, um, but there is a bye week and an NHL All-Star, All-Star break in there, which, by the way, since we talked last... Pekka Rene backed out. Andre Vasilevsky, next guy in. So should, It should be Vasilevsky, I think. Yeah, so we'll have two there now, as of, as of right now, when we're recording this. Um, so congratulations, Andre Vasilevsky. Um, but let's talk about the L.A. game. Yeah, we have another congratulations we can hand out. Yeah. Um, Alex Volkov. Yep. Um, scored his four, first NHL point. Yeah, with the assist on one of those goals. And it was a beaut. It was good. Say. It was good. Um, wish he hadn't gotten those two penalties well. later. But he's still learning, and he still contributed, so I can't complain no. too much. So, congratulations. That's awesome. But we the, the team went down two mm-hmm. early, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> this is not going to be fun. Then it was fun. tied it up. Yeah second half of that first period and then it just kind of happened yeah it's kind of and then you know we get a no goal (laughs) it just i um you don't do exhausting yeah i was gonna say you don't do well in those situations (laughs) but and then a overtime yeah and we're on a power play and we had some great chances and then we go to a shootout which i don't do well with those either. Mm-hmm. Um, and beautiful. then beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful shot by yeah. Stamkos. Yeah. That was, it was, it pretty. was so Steven Stamkos. Yeah. I don't even know how else to put it. Like, I feel like not many players in the league. No. Can pull that off. No, that's a Stamkos original. I think there's some that could do it, yeah. but not with not the as pretty. smoothness. I mean, yeah, not as pretty. No. Um, and the Nikita Kucherov goal was pretty as well. Yeah, it was. I mean, they really had some lovely, real nice, uh, clean, mm-hmm. very, um, you know, um, highlight reel mm-hmm. stuff going on. Just, you know, falling down to nothing and having to go to a shootout against the Kings. Not ideal. Home. Not ideal. But Jonathan Quick, still a really good goaltender. I think so. Um, and you know what's funny? Since our conversation with Diana Neros from the Tampa Bay Times, mm-hmm. I've really been paying attention to, yes, they are playing playoff hockey right now, mm-hmm. like a playoff style hockey now. Yeah. Uh, and I hadn't thought of it in that way before until she brought, until it, up. She brought it up and yeah. I'm, I'm seeing it. 
Um, also, another congratulations to Alex Glorm because in that yes. LA Kings game, he scored his 19th goal of the season, which I think is a record for him, a uh, regular season record, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But he's just like contributing like right and left yeah. here. Um, he took over, you know, the lead yeah. that night for your. And it's like, what? Yeah. No. So it, he's playing really well he's as well. He's playing really, really nice hockey. Yeah. There's a lot of games this year, I feel, that sometimes. Watching that, it was, you know, Kalorn was at times the best player on the ice. Yeah. So great job from uh, Alex Kalorn as well. So mm. um, it's it's not been bad. Uh, that, the, the, you know, we snapped that 10-game win streak and then, you know, the LA Kings game. And we'll talk about the games later in the week after we speak with our guest here. But um, the LA Kings game was an interesting one for me. Yeah. Because you don't want to fall behind that early. Right. To a, I mean, they're a heavy team. And we're still missing Pat Maroon for mm-hmm. that game. And we're still mm-hmm. missing um, Ryan McDonough for that game, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like we really missed Pat Maroon in that game. Yeah, I think... Especially with L.A. because they are a big, heavy team. They are. And and sometimes you think when these we get these players mm-hmm. in um, and we talk about, oh, how big Pat Maroon's presence is on the ice. I mean, he's a big guy. But he also carries, I think, a large presence. Yes. You don't realize until he's not in the game and you're facing bigger guys that you're yeah. used to facing. And then it's like, oh. So sometimes it's not the stat sheet. No. It's it's not always what they talk about um in, in the, you know, the the goal leaders or assist leaders or anything like that. Sometimes it's just having that presence. Yep. They still won. Yep. But yeah, they it looked like they needed to adjust a little bit with him missing. Yeah. So uh new new piece to the team this year, but I feel like he's a real important linchpin yeah. piece. Mm-hmm. So um all right. So we're gonna jump right in with our first first our only guest how many guests do we have we don't it's my multiple personality (laughs) disorder i'm two people in my head so you know um we're gonna uh, speak now with john franzone vp of game presentation for the tampa bay lightning hey john how are you doing how are you very well. Um, I've had the pleasure, as I said before earlier on this episode, that I've had the pleasure of working with you when I would fill in every once in a while on the plaza. So this has kind of been a long time coming. We've wanted to have you on for a really long time, and I'm so happy we were able to make it happen. Well, happy to do it for you. All right. So we've kind of been delving into the world of what happens to kind of put on a game that you see. And, um, you know, a lot of people, I feel like it's so seamless that they think, oh, it just happens. But you're kind of the conductor behind everything. Um, so can you kind of give us an idea of how long you've been with the team and how did your journey take you to becoming the VP of game presentation production? Oh, my gosh. How much time do we have? We um, have a, a well, while. <laughs> uh, I've been here 12 years now. It's my 12th season with the Lightning, which is unfathomable because I started my career as a baseball guy, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And uh, I was with the Yankees for about 10 seasons. And... Um, that's where I sort of learned the tools of the trade. And it was kind of, at that time, you were kind of an army of one mm-hmm. or two when you produced a show for In Bowl. It was kind of a new thing. Mm-hmm. So teams and organizations really didn't put a high value on it. They knew they had to make a little bit of revenue with it, but um, it wasn't the priority, mm. or a priority, I should say. And uh, over time, it's kind of grown. So as I transitioned from my Yankee position to a position with the Rays, um, for, and I was there 10 years, I kind of went from being the guy making the graphics to the guy building a team to make the graphics and mm. produce the show and pick the music and all that. And um, 
so it developed that way. And then uh, after 10 seasons with the Rays, had the opportunity to come over here to the Lightning in 2008 and have built up a team here that is uh, – uh, you know, just a, a blessing to work with. You know, it's, we have so much fun, and uh, it's just a pleasure to be able to use the platform that Mr. Vinnick and our organization gives us to put on a show for, uh, you know, a great fan base and a, and a, and a always developing fan base um, that that you know really only has two or three generations under its belt. So it's been cool to kind of watch the Lightning fan base grow. And become um, more hockey savvy is probably a best mm. uh, way to say it. And then, um, you know, when I got here, that Lightning logo, it was, uh, you knew there was a, a cup championship behind it, but that's that work stoppage kind of diffused it a little bit. So if you were in Tampa Bay at the time, you knew it was the Lightning logo. Um, but now that Lightning logo, when you see it, it stands for so much more. And that's, that's due to what Mr. Vinnick has done with both the facility and the team and the community. And you draw that triangle, and it's just been amazing to see how that was the foundation to take the brand to where it is right now. And I'm just fortunate to be along for the ride. So it's been really cool now to supervise a team that helps support that foundation. And that's kind of how I view my role. So... And like kind of how I think of you, because I'll see you up in the 300 level and you're like conducting everything like hmm. you are just like the conductor of an orchestra. So can well, you kind you're of- not wrong. I mean, it's we have if you think about it, you know, it's it's it looks like one show and you say it's seamless or it comes off as seamless. That's the best compliment because we want to be invisible. Right. Right. We <laughs> orchestra is a great, great sort of uh, parallel because we want to be for lack of a phrase, the music behind the game, mm-hmm. all right? Like, we want to enhance the game. We don't want to be center stage saying, look at us. We want to use the game as the game's always the thing, and if we don't respect that, then we're being foolish. Mm-hmm. So we want to be there to enhance the game, increase your entertainment value, make you feel like you got a little bit more um, uh, out of your game ticket than just a hockey game, but we never want to be disrespectful to the game. Um, sometimes we try to push that bubble and, you know, either it's a success or a failure. But generally speaking, we that's our philosophy as producers. There are other teams has, who kind of like, you know, push that envelope and try to be risky and say, hey, look at us. Look how, look how goofy or how silly we're being. But that's not our style. Um, if you've come to the games, you kind of know that. We'll mm-hmm. get a little goofy every now and then, but nothing that's outside of our purview in terms of what our philosophy is so yeah we're i'm a conductor and and it's seamless and it feels like one piece but we behind the scenes we have close to 60 people uh on a crew from the guys and gals in the control room uh, punching up all the video and the graphics for all the screens and displays stage managers down front helping get people on and off the ice greg uh, rmc paul rpa the mascot the the blue crew shooting the T-shirts into the stands, uh, our audio guys, five lighting guys, camera guys. Uh, you add it all up, and it's a, it's a mini army of people who are, have one goal in mind, and that's to put on a good show. So really, besides what's happening on the ice as far as the game, the 20 minutes each period, that's all you. Well, and you your know, team. I always say our job is uh, I'm responsible for everything that interrupts the game. And I say <laughs> that as a joke because uh, that it's counter to what I just said. Um, we basically are alive from the second, even before the doors open, mm-hmm. 
to the the last thing you see when you're walking across the plaza on the way to your car, um, visually, sensorily. Um, so we try to make sure that there's no gap or no stoppage or no lull in that in that uh, in that flow. We also want to be uh, what's the word consistent mm-hmm. with what you know of the lightning outside of this building. So your journey here, when you see a billboard or you see a paper ad or you see a TV spot, when you get in the building, we sort of take it from there. You know, you're welcomed out on the plaza, uh, as you know, hosting up on that stage. We open the doors in sort of a, a grand fashion where we count you down to game night. And frankly, that's an idea I swiped from Disney because they do that at Epcot. Yeah. Um, or they used to anyway. Um so you know, there's there's sort of a flow, and it doesn't it doesn't just happen inside. So we kind of start the show outside in a in a in a basic form where you have a host, he's getting you pumped up, band or DJ, and some sights and sounds and colors and interactions. And you know, on on uh, first responders night the other night, you would have thought it was a uh, it was a you know a set for a TV police drama because mm-hmm. there were crime vehicles everywhere <laughs> and ambulances and stuff. And you know, so we try to make sure we stay in, in the theme of the night too. And then that, like last night, we did Gasparilla just because we we're not home later in the month, so we figured let's have a pirate game before you know before the big uh, Tampa Bay holiday. So we we also try to stretch our crack our knuckles that way, but um, it, it, it just we just want it to be immersive and seamless, and uh, that's kind of the the mindset. And so you mentioned the first responders night, the Gasparilla night. How do you guys come up with all these ideas to keep things fresh? Because I feel um, like every time I walk it, in there, I see something new. We try to, you know, it, it's, we go back to our, um, our uh, when the schedule comes out in the summer, you know, um, a good handful of us will meet and sort of craft what the theme nights are going to be. Mm-hmm. Military night generally falls around Veterans Week, Halloween generally, you know, uh, a lot of it is holiday-based. The holidays figure into, you know, let's consider Gasparilla, Tampa Bay holiday, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day. And then you start adding up. Um, you know, we, we tried a 90s night this year, which typically we don't do decade nights. Um, that was so much fun, by Yeah, the way. and we just wanted to do that, and we used, but, again, we want to keep it team-centric, so we used Espo's... Um, sort of birth of the franchise mm-hmm. as the platform to launch into that night and it worked great and it was it was kind of my own internal personal test for uh uh next year's 30th anniversary oh of the of the team being born so yeah. you know I guess folks out there can kind of count on that uh being blown up a little bit more into a bigger show next year but we will we will craft that from the beginning of I don't know let's say end of June early July and massage it and work it through with our partnership people upstairs assign the right corporate partners to the certain nights mm-hmm. um, and then there'll be a a themes B themes C themes you know uh, so that there are certain levels of uh, time and effort that have to go into these because time is our is our most precious resource so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we try to manage it that way. So, uh, you know, at the end of the uh, planning sessions, we'll have maybe 20 to 21 dates where there's something um, either unique or a spin or different, you know, ranging from that incredible Medal of Honor night that we did back in October 
to uh, to last night with, uh, with being goofy with pirate graphics. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more from John Franzone, VP of Game Presentation Production for the Tampa Bay Lightning here on Game Misconduct. Stick around. It's Chicks with Sticks. How dare you? Uh, I said sticks. You'll feel shame, you know. This is Game Misconduct with Dorian CT on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Game Misconduct. I'm CT here with Dory, and we are joined by John Franzone, VP of Game Presentation Production for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's talk about one of the other things that is somewhat new, um, the Oregon. It's one of the longest, most incredible traditions in the NHL. But, you know, we hear it, and I don't think about how that was when when they, when you guys rolled it out it was like this big thing and not a lot of arenas have them anymore and so can you just kind of talk about like how how do you incorporate that into your in-game presentation and and where do you find these organists too because they I don't feel like there there are a lot of people no, deciding they want to play the organ these days um, you know, we're lucky. Our guy, Christoph, is just, A, he's a fabulous person before anything else. He's just one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. And uh, he's also an amazingly talented person. And uh, Christoph, we uh, we were lucky to come across. He was he was working at Disney, and um, one of our, one of my former crewmates here, he uh, he said, I don't know, I can't remember how the dots were connected, but we, we shook hands with Christoph, and, and he didn't, he wasn't nearly as much a hockey guy at the time as he was a musician, just an incredible, incredibly talented musician who could, by the way, play the organ like an octopus. Like, you got to play <laughs> with your feet. Everybody forgets that. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, he um, he came in, auditioned for us, and he was playing everything from progressive rock to classic rock to um, Lady Gaga right into Rachmaninoff and, and Bach. And I'm like, holy moly. Uh, we got we got to get this guy on board. So it worked out. He's been with us now seven years, and that's you hit the nail on the head. He's the guy who has to bring this beast to life. It's an amazing instrument. I'm floored every time I take somebody up there or I go up there myself and just marvel at how he's able to navigate all these different keys and buttons and switches, and um, and he really takes his job seriously. So knowing that you got a, a you know, we bought the NASCAR. We needed the NASCAR driver, so mm-hmm. to speak. So now you can really push this instrument. So he he takes us through the whole gamut of music. And then during the pregame, we, we give him that good two-minute window where it's just him. It's him and some very simple imagery up on the uh, up on the video screen of our players from the last game or whether it's a theme night. And... Uh, it's usually very cinematic. We're able to drop the lights. Mm-hmm. You know, you create sort of that theatrical feel, and he gives us he gives us that sort of epicenter to create that earthquake, if you will. Because at the end of every piece, he'll he'll crank his thunder buttons up there. He's he's responsible for all the thunder sounds, which mm-hmm. come out of the organ. I don't know if everybody knows that, but no. he has his own sound system. Believe it or not, around the catwalk. Next time you hear, look around the catwalk. You'll see three hundred small speakers. That's all unique to the organ. Wow. And uh, so he is, he's able to have a more fuller sound than our, our regular sound system affords us. So he's able to shake the building, which is which is phenomenal. So we'll use him viscerally. We'll use him artistically. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the course of the game, we'll we'll use him as a, a prompter. Mm-hmm. And he'll play, he'll play the, you know, the standard range of of uh, 
uh, organisms, for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the organs, one big part of the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning presentation. The other one is that giant jumbotron. What is one of the most favorite things that you can do with that? Because I feel like you you get this thing and then it's like, oh, there are so many things that we can make happen with this giant piece. Well, you know, it's it's the chandelier in the room, right? right? You know, it's it's in the middle and it always has to be um right. It has to it has to always complement what is going on, whether it's in its game look, which is what you generally see every night, which is kind of a mix and a split and a framing of the stuff you absolutely need, which is the clock and the scoring and the shots and the face-off percentages and the penalties and the penalty times. Then you transition over to the sidewalls and the, and the underscores of the board, and then you got your player stats and your team stats, and we try to pepper in as much of that as we can. If there's a, a penalty, we try to show the guy in the penalty box and the in the side with his name and so there's unique organic stuff that is hockey centric and that absolutely has to be up there mm-hmm. first and foremost then you know you incorporate the video into mm-hmm. the big you know the video windows and then you pepper around it how you blandish around the video is is your graphic execution so um, we have a bunch of different looks for the board Mm-hmm. And they believe it or not, it's not just games. It, it rain, we have trade show looks and, and concert looks and things like that as well. But for hockey specifically, you know, when we're in that blackout mode, when we're in that theatrical mode, as I like to say, we call it the blackout or it's our moment. And I've, you know, I've, I've battled to make sure that that's just uniquely lightning. Like you're not going to see um, sponsor graphics. You're not going to see, you know, it's, it's, it's truly a show. So we try to amplify it and we use the whole screen we don't segment it we use it as a full huge piece of light bright for (laughs) you want to look at it that way yeah like it's it's pixels that are just humming and singing to um everything we're we're producing up there whether it's our open or the skater kid going around or or pump videos and things like that like that when when you see a full image up there you know you're in the team's about to come out to the ice is, is, is kind of that precursor. So it's uh, we are lucky enough to have four motion graphic artists, uh, a couple video editors and producers who will make and gin up all the content that you, you see up there. There are a couple uh, signature pieces where we'll partner with um, some effect houses uh, that have some more sophisticated um Graphic and and um, production equipment that we do mm-hmm. to create some of the more higher end pieces, um, and you know honestly, let's face it. At the end of the day, the fans first and foremost. There's two things they want to see. They want to see themselves and they want to see replays, and uh, we try to accommodate that as much as we possibly can uh, in the mix of everything else we have to do because a lot of it is um, sort of sponsored and contractual that we have to execute. So let's kind of talk about uh, the ice projections, which really come into play, like the home opener, or once you guys hopefully knock on wood get into playoffs. So can you kind of? Ex- you mean when? When? What? Right? Well, I'm I'm superstitious, so I'm like <laughs> I, I don't want to you know put the cart before the horse here, but you know sometimes you don't know you have like a week before you know playoffs are happening, yeah. depending on where the team is in standings. Can you kind of talk quickly about that process? Like how yeah, do you? Because that a- is. A heightened presentation than just it a normal is. And game. a lot of teams invest in the projections for the regular season. Mm-hmm. 
And I always feel like that dilutes us, dilutes the playoff experience um, because it's such a big piece. Mm -hmm. So we don't generally use ice projection during the regular season. We might, like you say, on opening night or on the tail end during Fan Appreciation Week. kind of depends on how the schedule shakes out. Mm -hmm. But before we can get crazy and design all these funky 3D graphics and, and tell a story of the team's playoff march, um, which we did very well, I think, during um, 17 and 18. But mm -hmm. last year, we really didn't get off the launching pad too too well, as everybody knows. <laughs> Hopefully, we can rectify that this year. Um, so before you can get into that storytelling and epic presentation of music and lights and, and using the ice projection to enhance it all, um, first and foremost, you got to get this stuff hung in the building. Right. And that's a, a, a tough challenge because almost every March into April, there's an event here in the building, a huge concert or something like this year. We have WWE coming in uh, in that week of uh, April 1 to 6, right? So if we're the home team in the first round of the playoffs, if or when, um, <laughs> we're probably playing on April 8th. Oof. And WWE doesn't load out of here until midnight, probably on April 6th. So that gives me like a day to have the room. And how am I going to hang all these projectors if we're the home team? So, uh, well, WWE's in the way. So I, it, there's a whole logistical, problematic set of circumstances you have to sort of navigate um, before you can start having fun with it. Because you need about two days to uh, install and then calibrate the system. Uh, because really what it is, and, and if you guys can imagine it, it's uh, we have to split the ice into six pieces mm. because there's six zones of projection because they have to project around that big board. Uh, and then those six zones are blended together on the ice to make it fully seamless. So it's a bit of a science, and um, I don't pretend to know all about it, but I do know we need time to do it. So it, it you know it poses some logistical challenge, and then once it's up and running, then your creativity or your I shouldn't say your creativity, your crew's creativity just absolutely takes over, and they get so inspired to do just some funky things because we we don't normally have it on a on a regular basis. So you know we've done stuff from doing Mario Kart racing out there to to uh, Pong to you know just turning it into a big video board to. Um, uh, you know, all the epic sort of uh, team introduction pieces that we'll do. So we've had a lot of fun with it when we have it. And luckily, we've had it a lot over the last couple of years. We can't forget about the Tesla coils because they're very special to Tampa Bay. Um, and I know you guys have incorporated something new at the beginning of the game this year. Um, if you want to kind of talk about that. Yeah, it's just a nice little accent. You know, we've had the Tesla coils for... Uh, I don't know, since uh, Mr. Vinick and, and Todd Lewicki and Steve Griggs back in the day, they, they sort of crafted this sort of renewed vision for what our, our game night should be. And uh, I'm not sure, but I think it was Todd who said, we got to have like real lightning or, you know, <laughs> we don't have fangs. We don't have, we don't have claws. We don't have evil eyes. Like, you know, we're not the predators. We're a not gladiator the helmet. Like, what's our icon? Our icon yeah. is a force of nature. So how do you replicate that? And mm. And the genius of the Tesla coils is it is it's is it's real. It's yeah. not fake. There's no there's no shark heads coming down from the ceiling with you know carbon dioxide tanks attached okay. to it. <laughs> this is that was a shot by the way. I, this is uh, it's it's true uh, lightning, yeah. and it's a hundred feet of combined indoor lightning, and it's it's mystifying. I get I get mesmerized by it every time we hit the button. Yeah. 
Um, so we've mostly used that with goals and taking the team out onto the ice. And in the blackout, it really pops because it's, you know, it's light in the dark. So it, it, it echoes that. And combined with the new lighting um, system we have up in the, in, the, uh, in the game lights up in the ceiling, you know, we can flash those. We can, now we can really create a visceral sort of lightning storm in the building a little bit by, by strobing the, uh, the game lights because they're LEDs now. They're not incandescents that have to warm up anymore. Anyway, the Teslas um, are, are just, you know, become, have become a signature, so much so that the fan base, you know, for a long time has been saying, who's going to light the Teslas first tonight, mm-hmm. you know, in the Twittersphere of uh, conversation out there. So it's become a thing, and it's I sort of ubiquitous with – with the facility and with the team now, um, and uh, you know they they've uh, they're like natural lightning too. Like they're unpredictable, so I don't know if they're going to shut down my intercoms or <laughs> knock out a wireless camera or two. One time they shut down NBC's t- TV truck. Oh, um, they uh, they can be uh, they can be as uh, challenging as uh, natural lightning itself, but um, they are awesome. So I. Uh, I enjoy using them. And now what we've done this year, uh, strangely enough, it took us eight or nine years to come up with this idea. And I think it was I saw Vegas. They have some celebrities or some guests in Vegas. Mm-hmm. That's a nightly thing, right? But um, they have people who sort of, you know, they, they start the game by, by spinning that wonky siren. Yep. Um, so, again, the Teslas are our thing. So why not have – why not pick a fan or have a celebrity – Come up and hit that button and get us going. Charge us into game time, which is literally what we what we call it. We're going to charge into game time. So it's become now we've taken what is a tradition and we're just sort of amping it up a little bit, and it's working pretty well. Well, if anybody ever you know has calls in sick last we'll have minute, to have you. You know, Dory and, and I would be more than happy to help Absolutely. you out. Absolutely, we're always there to help. Um, so uh, we're speaking with John Franzone, VP of uh, Game Presentation Production for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, something that I have really fallen in love with lately, and it's somewhat new, hmm. is the singing Freddie Mercury gopher repeat, <laughs> call and repeat. Is it a gopher, repeat. a groundhog, or a squirrel? I Sometimes I can't tell. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure. Okay. But either way, he's doing the Freddie Mercury Deo, and at first I was like, what is this? And now it really gets a great reaction. I'm telling you, it's funny. We played it last night, and, and we actually themed that out. Our artist, uh, Stephen Nash, does a fabulous job with taking that and then steering it to a theme. So if you notice during the holiday game, he had a Rudolph nose yes. on. Last night there were pirate ships behind him. So um, he, you know, we've kind of themed him out too. He's part of the show now as, as a uh, as a performer. It's a wonky thing. I, I I don't know exactly where it where it sort of took flight on the internet uh, in the uh, the sphere of uh, silly videos out there, but. Certainly, Bohemian Rhapsody sort of got that that chant going, and I know other teams play it. Okay, I think that's what where we took some inspiration from. We heard it on another team's broadcast. I can't remember which. And our uh, our graphics guy Steve, he just jumped on it and uh, uh, just created it. And as we played it last night, I was I wasn't producing last night. My uh, my number two, Stephen um, Fry, he was producing last night, and as he's playing it, I'm listening to the crowd react, and it was as big a reaction as I've heard, again, because we've played it, I don't know, six, seven, eight times since the season started, so now they're getting it, yeah. or they, they they know it's it's their job to join in, yeah. and I was thinking last night as we played it, like, can you imagine 120,000 people at Wembley doing that? Because <laughs> it was as loud here with 18, 19, 20,000 people last night as I've ever heard it. And yeah. I was just sort of doing the mental math in my head, 
of how incredibly what an experience that must have been back at Live Aid. But it's been a fun little uh, addition to the game night roster, and we try not to burn it out. That's another thing is, like, you can't play it every night. You have to sort of give it a rest so that when it comes back, it, it feels fresh. Yeah. But he's a... It's been a fun, uh, fun little addition. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I am a nervous ball of energy at games, especially the LA game. I was a nervous ball of energy, and when you guys played that, it just made me happy. So I appreciate it. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a fun little thing, and the thing is, it 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 triggers a response. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's that's all we're really after here. If mm-hmm. if uh, if we're not showing you a video or or showcasing a fan like the little kid who was the honorary captain last night mm. then we want to engage you in fun and energy you know at the end of the day whether it's in your hand or on your phone you have a hockey a ticket to a hockey game mm-hmm. and and our job is to make that ticket feel special you know so that's kind of how we approach it and and the gopher the gopher the uh, the little guy doing the the ao he he's just one sort of ingredient in that stew if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I, we have just a couple minutes left with you. Of all the things that you've done with the Lightning in your tenure there, is there one thing that you are just maybe something your team t- came together on last minute and were able to execute or some event or some thing that you are most proud of? You know, I tell you, there was, there was, there's been a number of them. You know, the Medal of Honor night we had this year was amazing. Uh, the very first time we fired up Ice Projection in 2011, was amazing. I remember I had a couple of people standing behind me where I was producing from. They were actually crying mm-hmm. because it was. We knew we had taken that next level as an organization. Um, there, there have been so many. Vinny's night, uh, retirement night, Marty's retirement night. Um, some of the hockey fights, cancer moments we've had out there. Mm-hmm. But fun. There's one night that I don't think I'll I'll ever forget and it wasn't even a home game. Mm-hmm. It was when we uh were playing Chicago in the Stanley Cup final and it was game 6. Mm-hmm. And we had done watch parties all over Tampa Bay, which is something that you know my team also uh supports the production of. We we partner with our marketing department and put on these shows out in the community also with our AVIT group. In any event, we did game 6 here in the building. Yep, I was there. And, and there was there was nothing happening on the ice, yet we we had a full house mm-hmm. of of it was I I almost can't put it put into words. It was just a remarkable night, a sort of a confluence of how a hockey game can galvanize a community mm-hmm. and a fan base, and um, you know we showed the unfortunately we lost, but you know we had we had. Um, music and and we 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 did a whole ice projection show just for that game and there was no hockey game yeah so um it was just a remarkable night and i just can't can't put that one into words but that that that's probably the one that's at the top until we uh until we're hoisting the cup well, from your mouth to <laughs> right. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. I really do, and I know Dory does as well. Enjoy everything that you and your team do in game, on the road. You know, when the team's doing watch parties and everything, and uh, you know, just because I I've seen you work a little bit, I understand the undertaking that it is for you and your team. So, uh, if you don't hear it enough, we appreciate you, and we love what you guys bring to. Uh, Emily Arena every night. Well, that's really nice of you to say. And, and uh, you know, in closing, it, 
it's it, it's a team effort. It's not one guy. It's not one vision. Like it's a team effort to uh, to support, prob- you know, our uh, one of the best owners in sports, if not the best, and uh, a great organization. So we're uh, we're blessed and lucky to be in this position to do it. So. Yeah, you take yeah, we'll take that compliment with a with a slice of humility. <laughs> Thanks, John. We'll see you at the arena. All right, look forward to it. All right, we're going to take a quick break and be back with more game misconduct. It's chicks with sticks. How dare you? Uh, I said sticks. You feel shame, you know. This is game misconduct with Dorian CT on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Game Misconduct. I'm CT here with Dory. Hello. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook and uh, in, uh, Twitter at Game Is with a Z Conduct. And uh, this is our mobile in on location <laughs> segment. I'm on my location. She's in her location um, for the uh, for for the last segment of the show. We just spoke with John Franzone. Uh, who puts on an amazing in-game presentation and we kind of learned all the ins and outs of everything that he's responsible for as well as his team and how seamless it is and you know we just sit there and we're like oh here's a game but there's so much more going on behind the scenes it is insane and like they said when they're when they're invisible that means they're doing a good job yeah for sure and it's great it's it was a great conversation um we probably could have come up with a thousand more things to talk to him and ask him about. Um, but unfortunately, you know, we don't have a thousand hours. No. And his time is uber valuable. Yeah. So yes. we wanted to get as much in as we could and we thank him for joining us. And so let's talk about the last two games that we Ooh. have. Now we're in the all-star break slash bye week, all conglomerated together. I made up that word. <laughs> um, and so they head to Minnesota for the first of a back-to-back and it wasn't very pretty. It wasn't. Um, oh, I, I was rewatching some of the tape from it. And the one thing I think that the lightning did over the last, um, uh, before going to Winnipeg. So the three games prior to that, um, the de- defensively they've been so solid since Christmas. Right. During this grind that uh, Coach Cooper has talked about a lot. Like, they knew this was their grind. This is when it mattered. Mm-hmm. And they they came – I mean, it was a brilliant run they had mm-hmm. over the last month plus. I mean, we were talking about this team was fourth or fifth in the wild card standings mm-hmm. <laughs> and easily moved into the, a playoff position. So, um, you know, the one thing that they – we're doing really, really well was defensively. Everything was very shored up. They were playing really well together. Um, and in Minnesota, and I don't know what it is with Minnesota. I, I say it every time. <laughs> uh-huh. But ev- everything just broke down. Um, it, there's some of the tape I was watching. Uh, at one point, um, uh, I think it was, I don't want to say Polino's goal. Uh, I, I don't know which goal it was, but McElhinney is so um, focused on getting Sergachev out of his way yeah. that the puck just went right in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shattenkirk at one point had some weird screens going on that seemed to kind of not 
um, McElhaney didn't seem to like very much. I, I think that in specifically the Minnesota game, McElhaney made beautiful saves. Mm-hmm. I mean, just amazing saves. But when your defensemen are breaking down in front of you, the, the, he really didn't have a, a chance for some of them. Um, and that was kind of how the last few games had gone where you're mm-hmm. like, what's going on defensively all of a sudden? Well, do you think, cause uh, in the Minnesota game, Ryan McDonough came back to the lineup after missing the previous yeah. six games with an upper body. So do you think that maybe him getting back in the lineup and getting acclimated and maybe some line shifting and, and pairings and, you know, just having him back out there, they needed a little time. I mean, I know the last couple of previous games where there were some concerns, but it really seemed to to be highlighted in this game. And do you think that might might have been a big crux of it? It could have been. It could have been, you know, because he was out of the lineup, mm-hmm. um, and the defensive, uh, the the defense really. I don't want to say fall apart. They didn't ever fall apart. No, but it it looked like it was breaking down a little bit more. It looked like there were you know, some chinks in the armor there. It was, it was, it was off. And I think that speaks to what a huge piece Mm. um, that McDonough has turned out to be for them, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why, you know, they, they, you know, it was very important that they kept him in the blue and white uniform. And I think you have, you know, he comes back. Now things are different. They've played a few games without him. Um, because even the beginning, and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but even in the very beginning of the Winnipeg game, it was almost like, oh, no, here, here we go, go again. Yeah. What are they doing? Yeah. Um, I mean, because Winnipeg just jumped out. And the minute you know the puck dropped, they were like, we've got to give them everything we have from the start of the game. And they did. Right. And I, I don't know if I'd say the first 10 minutes. I don't think that's fair. Probably a little less than that. It took for the Lightning to kind of realize, oh, you know what? This is it. This is how we play. Everybody has a job to do. We mm-hmm. all are very skilled at our jobs. Um, and I think it took a little. And I think once they started scoring in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. it, it all kind of came all back together. That first goal I think was so important because it, it all seemed to come back together for them. Um, defensively, offensively, Vasilevsky, listen, he, <laughs> it's crazy. The, <laughs> the stuff that he does sometimes that we take for granted, mm-hmm. he really, really kept them. I, yes, they won seven to one, but it didn't look like they were going to win seven to one when the game started. Right. Right. Um, but it was Vasilevsky that kept them in that game. Right. I, I mean, he's and he like, kept you it know, from getting too far away from them so that they could score seven and come out victorious for sure. Yeah. And it was one of those games where I felt Vasilevsky was the, yes, Anthony Sorelli got his first hat trick and that's fantastic. Um, you know, Andre Palat had, set up uh, two really nice goals, but really Vasilevsky was the MVP there because had he not been such a wall to Mm -hmm. start that game, it wouldn't have gone seven to one. 
mm-hmm. um, who knows what it would have happened. So that was definitely as fun as it is when we score a million, you know, or they <laughs> score, not us, but as fun as it is when they score that many goals, you really have to kind of step back and look. And if Vasilevsky was off, which he was definitely not, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have gone the way it went. Um, so I think that kind of fueled them a little too. Mm-hmm. I did see a, uh, after the game, post game, McDonough had said, um, you know, when things come together, you see how, you know, skilled we are. Once we kind of get it together, the skill takes over. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened in Winnipeg. Um, and our friend Brian Burns wrote uh, a really great, um, you know, three things he does ever after every game, three things we learned. And the third point he had against the Jets was they just laid it all on the ice because they knew they had nine days off. Mm-hmm. There isn't looking ahead. It's been such a grind. Like, you know, yeah, this road trip it. has been rough. On everybody, oh. like I could even tell on the commentators, and the, like it's been a long stretch of I think it's thirteen or so games, and the team is tired. The team traveling with the team is tired, like and yeah. they just want to. I, you know, let's let's go out on a high note so that yep. we don't have to simmer over it for nine days until we yep. can get back on the ice and fix it. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, coming off a of back-to-back where they did have to try to fight from behind from Minnesota and coming out, and they kind of had to fight a little bit in that first period, like you said, to kind of end that game 7-1 to one with Vassy standing on his head to make, make it so. Mm-hmm. Um, was impressive at the end of that crazy schedule they played. Yeah, and the Winnipeg goalie, Hellebuck, mm-hmm. listen, that is a really good goalie. Mm-hmm. He is a fantastic he uh a lot of people were talking it you know the game up like hey this is like two of the best goalies right now you know right in the west and in the east and he let five goals in yeah i mean imagine the, how we would feel if vasilevsky let five goals in. oh my gosh we'd be yeah. pitchforks and torches yeah yeah so i think it speaks to you know how um how scary this offense can be and it, Kucherov did score the two ga- two goals in Minnesota. We love seeing when Kuch gets on the board. Uh, Kalorn has now hit his career high, 20 yeah. goals in it. And the, yeah. I'm sure he's going to, I hope, knock on wood, he's going to score some more before the season's over. Yeah. And But when you see, uh, you know, uh, Verhege, the other seven within, you know, whenever, a week or whatever ago, score a hat trick. And you have... Or you know, score a bunch of goals, and then and then you have, um, you know, Anthony Sorelli, who we all love, get a hat trick. Yeah, it's it just feels good. We love it when Cooch scores. We love it when Point scores. We love it when, but we also really love it when the guys that aren't at the top of everybody's you know mind when they think of Tampa Lightning when they're scoring goals. That's when the Lightning are at their best. Well, that's because they have more than one or two lines that can put it in the back of the net. And we know every guy on every line can has the ability. If you're in the NHL, you have the ability to put it in the net. But are they quality shots? And all four lines that are rolling have the ability to put quality shots on net. And that means most of them will go through. Mm-hmm. And we've said it before in other seasons. When you have four lines rolling, a lot of teams only have mm, – you know, two good defensive pairings that they can put up against those. So there's going to be an odd line here or there that's going to have an advantage. And mm-hmm. 
or they're going to have to double team people and then that makes their guys tired faster or whatever the strategy is for the other team. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's why he had success in other seasons is because all four lines are able to score and able to put that puck in the back of the net and create chances and create a, a mess and tire out the other teams because of their high skill level. And mm-hmm. that's when this team finds success. And yeah. the fact that these guys are heating up, you know, we, you know, Alex Kalorn, he's, we know he can score goals, but he's not normally a 20 goal, goal season guy or 20, no. yeah, 20 goals a season guy. Yeah. So the fact that he's already hit 20 goals and it's not even the all-star break. And mm-hmm. now we see Cooch really heating up and we've got yep. Anthony Sorelli contributing and Verhage. All of these little pieces are coming together at the right time. And exactly. when we were talking, and I think I mentioned it earlier in this podcast, Diana Nero's from Tampa Bay Times, you know, she said they're already playing playoff hockey. They're not mm-hmm. waiting until they get to the end of a- the beginning of April to start playing playoff hockey. They're right. just doing it so that when that hopefully time comes, see, I'm still superstitious. <laughs> they just have to like turn up the gas just a little bit because they're already playing at the high level. That's yep. why when I see a game like Minnesota, I'm like, okay, guys, where is where is the playoff hockey team that I'm so used to seeing? And it may take them a little while, maybe even a full game to figure it out, maybe a game in 10 minutes, mm-hmm. so 70 minutes of play to figure it out. But when they do, they do. And, you know, we talk – like, I know a lot of the commentators were saying how uh, Coach was not happy with how that Minnesota game went, especially after the first period. But it was still – they lost by one goal. Yeah, yeah. I it mean, they wasn't went, it, a blowout like seven to one. You know, no, no. And and the thing is, is they got it together at the end there too. Yeah. Um. When uh, Cooch scored the second goal, remember they also had um the the, the goal called back, right? Uh, because Cooch, uh, I'm sorry, Coach Cooper, um, challenged one of their goals, and mm-hmm. for it was offsides. When you watched it, it was hard. You could see he was off cyber, which you couldn't tell is where the puck was in relation right. his body, but it's the skate. I mean, the guy's right. body was over the line. Um, and I was like, oh no, because, you know, we had one of these go not our way. Yes. Um, and I was, you know, when they said, you know, no goal, I was like, okay. I, I, it was almost like they got another chance because at yeah. the end, towards the end of the third period, they really had gotten their crap together yeah i don't know how else to put it but they really nope. did that rally <laughs> came back and they were like we can do this we can do this and i i thought i don't know, they might you know the, the time was running out and that was that's you know the the biggest challenge is if they had maybe 10 minutes uh back out of the second period you know what i'm saying like if they could mm-hmm. have just 10 minutes back or five minutes back they could have tied it up maybe even, you know, um, taking the lead. Don't don't really know. But I think that's when Cooch, we hear Cooper talk all the time, play play 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. We have to do that. And this team is very good. And sometimes they don't have to play 60 minutes and they still win. We've seen that many times. Um, But when you don't play 60 minutes, this is what happens. You you go into Minnesota, which for some reason has their number. My goodness, Min- I don't know what it is. It must be the water. 
I don't, I don't know. I've never been. Couldn't tell you. Listen, this is a team that had lost four games in a row uh, coming into the Lightning game, and we're like in the basement of the Central Division. Yeah, and they had like a little snafu with their lineup <sighs> card the game before too, I think. So yeah, I mean it, yeah. it's weird. It literally, no pun intended, is wild. How it is when wild. they go to <laughs> Minnesota, it's just bizarre. Um, but this team, I feel the way they bounce back is always promising. It always makes you feel like okay, we're they're going to be all right. But we still have a lot of hockey, and these nine days off. If any team in the NHL needed these nine days off, it's the Lightning. Mm-hmm. They need – these guys need a break. Yeah, and, you know, uh, a couple of representatives will be heading to St. Louis for the NHL All-Star Game. And let me tell you, uh, the, the NHL is always exciting. But, uh, you know, and we normally don't talk about a lot of other teams on this mm-hmm. podcast. But Sidney Crosby is back with the Penguins. And he's had a couple very good games. So – now is the time to get your rest. Yep. Because it's going to be a dog fight to the end. And I know they're not in our in our conference in our division, uh, or they're in the me- they're in the metro, correct? Oh, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But he's back, and he's had about you know the first half of the season off. So yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you know how those Penguins they they may be in the basement until uh, the All Star yeah. break, and then all of a sudden here they are in the playoff picture. They again. can't lose. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's some- and and Sidney so, Crosby is one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, I don't so, care for him. I don't actually. I've said this. Uh, I kind of briefly had an interaction with him a few years ago in the press box when he was injured. Another uh-huh. injury. He's actually a really nice guy. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't know anything He's about really him, nice but he guy. is a highly skilled player, yeah. and I hate when we have to play him. But if he yes. was on our team, man, I'd love to have him. <laughs> but you know, I, here, here, it's crunch time. Like when when the league gets back going after the mm-hmm. All Star break, that is when they all bear down, and mm-hmm. that is when the teams that may have been playing a little laxadaisically, you know, come back. We saw the St. Louis Blues last year; oh, they ended up boy. taking the cup. So you can't count anybody out, and you can't get too comfortable. So take the nine days, get some rest, and then they're on the road. So we don't see them until I, I, the first weekend in February. Yeah, it's um, pretty, it's pretty crazy. Pretty brutal, but um, hopefully the the players are getting some time off, rest and relaxation. The, yep. the people who work with the team, yes, and um, you know, I can't wait to see our Lightning representatives representing St. Louis, the NHL All Star Skills, and the game. And I know they still don't have the drunken draft anymore, Dory. I'm sorry. <laughs> they haven't done it. Um, they did it like one year, and I can't let it go. <laughs> you can't let it go. Drunk Ovi was epic. Um, but uh, hope everybody enjoys the nine days off and uh, watches our Lightning represent in St. Louis at the All-Star Game. Dory, anything else you want to add before we go? Nope, that's it. Just, um, you know, hope everybody enjoys the time off because they're going to be at the arena a lot. In the next yes. couple of months. Yes. To wrap up the season, we're going to be at the arena a lot and hopefully far into the summer as well. Knock on everything that is reachable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you next week on Game Misconduct. Conduct.